Well, good morning. Well, well, he said my name already. Thank you. I'm Joe. For those of you who I don't know, I serve as one of the pastors here at Riverbend, and we are just so grateful to have each and every one of you here with us today. If you're a first-time guest, want to extend a special, special welcome to you. We'd love to connect with you. The easiest way to do that is to fill out a connection card. You can find that online or throughout the space or use the app as well. And then I also want to mention to you that we are so excited to have some college students back home who've been out of the area. So we have a couple of those coming back for Christmas break. So I won't ask them to stand or anything, but can we give it up for them? We're glad they're here. And we're going to actually miss some of our college students who are going back home uh, over the break as well. So it's, it's always a great season here at Riverbend. And one of the things that we've had the privilege of doing, and Hunter did such a great job of sharing with you what it is that we were able to accomplish this week. So grateful for your generosity. I love our church and the fact that we get to be a part of those types of things. And, and really, the genesis of that uh, is really responding first and foremost to who Jesus is, but also seeing that many people who are serving and leading on the front lines, and specifically those who are on staff at a school, are often forgotten about and have really experienced what I would say a lot of just discouragement post-COVID and beyond. And so one of my own personal mantras is to encourage the encouragers. And I want to live that out. And I want us to live that out and make sure that we see people, celebrate them, encourage them. But the response has been incredible. Uh, You know, it's been awesome to watch. I've gotten so many emails, and our email wasn't even on the card, (laughs) but they found me (laughs) and have responded in kind of about five or six just notes of thankfulness for that. And again, these are ways that we're trying to make touches into the community, no strings attached, to come as Jesus came to us to say, I've come not to be served, but to serve, to give my life as a ransom for many. And so it's so encouraging. It's so encouraging to watch what God's doing. But the other thing that we want to do even this morning before we jump into the passage is, in the message, is I want to take a moment. Uh, we have some distinguished guests here with us today, um, and they're from the Baptist Resource Network, Barry and Beth Whitworth, and they have been long-standing friends of Amy and I. In fact, Barry is the executive director of the Baptist Resource Network, and what they do is to come alongside churches to help them take their next step. And so since the beginning of Riverbend, he's been a part of our journey. In fact, 50 of these chairs that you're sitting in, uh, they were in part because of his leadership and saying, hey, we want to help resource that. All the, the updates that we did, those were relationships that he and his team had helped secure for us so that we had teams of people coming in. The things that we seek to do in our community with special needs ministry, the things that we are seeking to do, whether it's throwing a cookout, they help to resource that. And so Barry and Beth have been just good friends, and we're just so grateful for them. And so what I wanted to do is I actually wanted them to come to the stage. We got them a gift, and they didn't know this was going to happen, but can we give it up for Barry and Beth? Barry and Beth Wilworth, come on up, guys. Don't be shy. Come on up on stage. They love this type of thing, by the way. They love, I'm going to hand this to your bride here. And I just wanted to take a moment as we talk about gifts. It's one thing to give a gift. It's another thing to be a gift. 
And you guys have been a gift. Uh, so what I want to do is I want to pray over them. I want to pray over them and just um, thank God for them and just continue to pray a blessing over who they are and how they're leading. Um, we're told scripturally to give honor where honor is due. We're told scripturally to encourage one another as long as it's called today. Um, and, and Barry and Beth have, have been people who've championed Amy and I and Riverbend for many, many years since the beginning. So let's pray for them. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity, this day. Lord, I thank you so much for Barry and Beth. I thank you for the gift of who they are and the way in which they've invested in me personally and in our church and our ministry. God, we know we're never meant to do it alone, and we can't, actually. Uh, we do much more work that's effective and fruitful when we collaborate. And I thank you for their heart for you, King Jesus, in your kingdom. Lord, I thank you, Father, for how they've come alongside churches throughout Pennsylvania and South Jersey, how they've been a champion for not only our, the work that you've called us to, but other works in other ways of which we can make the most to minister to the people throughout these two states, God. And so, Lord, I just pray, even as they're entering in this Christmas season, I pray in a deep, deep way, your shalom rest upon them. And I pray that they would sense that they're seen and loved and celebrated. We are so grateful for Barry and Beth and the gift that they are. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thank you for letting me call you to stage, man. <laughs> grateful for you guys. Grateful for them. Yes. Well, so that then brings us to where we are in our, our teaching, the gift, right? And then we talked a lot about gift giving. We talked a lot about people being gift already this morning. But we're specifically talking about three gifts that are given and Matthew 2. Do you guys, I like to do a little Bible quizzing with you, right? We've had some fun with this. Do you guys remember what the three gifts were? No, no, say it like with confidence. Yes, there we go. Don't, don't like whisper the gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I, I'll mumble it. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And how many, how many wise men, magi, were there? We don't know. We're not sure. We think three because the nativity says three. Right? Our nativity set has three, but we're, we're actually not sure what it, what it is. But we learn about these men from the East, that these were Gentiles, that these were men of affluence and influence, uh, that they had traveled and searched over two years to find Jesus. They, were, they wanted to welcome the newborn king. They wanted to acknowledge him for who he is. And these three gifts, we said, they really speak to who Jesus was, like what, who he was, but also what he came to do. So who he was when he came, but also who he is, and then what he came to accomplish. You know, what is it that he came to accomplish? What is it that he came to do for us? And so what we want to do is we want to take some time to, to really hone in on what it is that Jesus came to accomplish for us, who he is, and what he came to do. And so gold Gold really speaks of what? What does that represent? Kingship, right? And we said last week that Jesus is king, right? And we talked about one, one way or another, we're all going to bow down and confess that he is Lord, right? We, we talked about how he's a king like no other. And then today we're going to talk about frankincense. Now, I want to say and ask you guys this question. How many of you guys like essential oils, by the way, essential oil fans? In there, right? right? We've got some people who are really into that, right? Essential oils are, are nice. 
And, and back in, in Bible times, one of the, the oils that was essential but expensive was frankincense. And this is what it looks like. It looks like this really uh, bright popcorn, <laughs> right? And so frankincense, as we look at that, and we're looking at what that means and signifies and who Jesus is and, and what he came to do and came to accomplish for us is really key because it played a key part in the Old Testament. It played a key part in the Old Testament. And so as we, we think about it, I want to I give you this, because I think it's really important, that frankincense really signifies a gift for a priest, a sweet perfume used in temple sacrifice. So it was used in temple sacrifice. Very expensive to get, but again, it was used as an incense, a sweet aroma to the Lord. And so specifically, how did that play out? And I read this this week, and I thought it was a really helpful explanation. This comes from Scott James. It says this, burning incense at the altar was a key part of the sacral, sacrificial system prescribed by God for use in the tabernacle and later in the temple itself. According to Exodus 30, however, not just any incense would do. A specific recipe of spices mixed with pure frankincense verse 34 of, of this passage in Exodus, was to be consecrated as pure and holy, verse 35, and was the only incense permitted at the altar. And so what we, we see is that the, the high priest, the priest would go before God in the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement, and he would offer a sacrifice. And it needed to be a ple pleasing sacrifice. And, and part of that was the, the frankincense that was there, right? The sweet aroma. But it needed to be a pure sacrifice. In fact, this was a big deal for the priest to enter into the Holy of Holies. So much so uh, that they would attach a rope and some, some bells to their, their ankles. And if, if, because it was standing before a holy God, if the sacrifice was not pleasing to him, he would drop dead. And so whenever the bell stopped going, they would pull him out by the rope. That's how it would go. And so as we think about the significance of what was happening and occurring back in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, it's important that we understand it because it's going to speak into the New Testament and the New Covenant, all right? And so the other part of this that's really key as we think about the priest, the priest had two main roles. He made sacrifices for the forgiveness of sins, atonement, right? They would offer this sacrifice that would be pleasing to the Lord, they would do it year after year. It says in Hebrews, day after day. So this is what the priests would do. And then they offered prayers on behalf of people to God. So their main, main roles were, again, to offer sacrifices and offer prayers. Let's say that together. Offer sacrifices and offer prayers. And so they were a people who were to, again, represent the people before God. They were to be set apart in the way that they would live and conduct their lives. But then this, then this light came, this light that overcame the darkness, this light named Jesus, the promised one, the one who would do for us what the sacrificial system could not perfectly do because of our brokenness and our need. And so today we're going to even see how Jesus lives out for us what it means to have a perfect 
high priest who offers this sacrifice for us that is once and for all. And it's beautiful to hold on to because what we don't want to miss is what it is that he's come to do. But before we understand that, we've got to just acknowledge something that's really often not popular in culture at large, but that we have a need. That we have a need. That we are sin-saturated men and women who are spiritually dead and who need spiritual life. And in a culture that says, hey, you live your truth, you do your thing, however you feel, whatever you think, that means it's reality. In that culture that so commonly talks about that, there's one who says, no, there's actually a standard, and it's God himself, and he perfectly holds up to us the standard, but we can't hit the target. We can't hit the mark. That's a word called sin. Say that with me, sin. And it's, again, not one of those words we often like to to say and talk about, but the reality is that is our condition before God, that we miss the mark, we miss the target. That is what sin means because we have a perfect and holy God. But praise be to God, he doesn't leave us in that condition. He invites us to experience rescue, redemption, forgiveness. He makes a way. This is the good news of Christmas, is it not, my friends? This is what what we're celebrating in this season, what it is that Jesus has come to accomplish for us. And so I want us to, to think about that, because if we don't understand our brokenness, and we think about Jesus as a high priest and a perfect sacrifice, it doesn't make sense. Because we would say something like, I'm not as bad as this person. Right? (laughs) I I was at a Christmas dinner recently, and someone made that comment. They said, well, man, I just wish people were consistent. You know, I wish what they said on Sunday, they did during the week. You know, like, God's not going to bless people like that. And I wanted to say, you mean people like you and me? Because you're, you're describing me. You're describing all of us, right? That's the human condition. There's, a, there's an inconsistency and there's brokenness and there's failure. And praise be to God, we don't stay in that place and we don't have to stay there. But the reality is we all miss the mark. And aren't you glad to know that there's a Savior who's come? And aren't you glad to know that the standard that you set and the standard that I set for others, there's a standard that's even greater than our standard? And we can't meet that standard, but Jesus has made a way, made a way. And this is why I love to tell people, I love to tell people about our church. And it's simply this, that we are the perfect church for imperfect people. We are the perfect church for imperfect people. I like to tell them that because if, if you look at what church is and, and in your mind, the expectation, I recently had a conversation with somebody and they were coming to Riverbend for the, the first time and hadn't been to church for so, so long. They're like, man, I was... I was glad to see that I didn't get struck down by lightning. Like literally, this happened last week. Someone said that to me. And I said, well, we are the perfect church for imperfect people, including this pastor and this person. But again, we don't have to look at ourselves as the standard or the Savior. There's one who's come, who's come to deal with our imperfection because of him being perfect. So if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to open up with me. We're going to jump right into Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, and Hebrews chapter 10 really lays out for us in the whole book of Hebrews exactly what it is that Jesus has come to do. So it says this, it says this in Hebrews 10, starting in verse 11, it says this, and and every priest stands daily at his service offering 
repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when, who came? But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being, what's the word? (laughs) Sanctified, right? That's a good word, right? And it says the priest, very clearly, the priest daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifice again and again, but it could never fully take away our condition. It could never do that, our sin condition, our need for a rescue, our need for forgiveness, our need to receive a gift, right? We were giving out gifts, and we talked about that. But people actually have to receive them, right? (laughs) You know, the only reason that we were able to go to those schools is they said yes, right? They said yes, I didn't just show up there. We didn't just show up and said, hey, I hope you'll receive this gift. But we called ahead, and they said, yeah, we want to receive that. And it's really clear here that Jesus has made a way. Jesus has made a way through his life, death, burial, and resurrection that he's offered this single sacrifice for us. And he sat down at the right hand of God. And this just signifies not only what he's done, but his authority, who he is. He's God in flesh. He's the second part of the Godhead, the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. When he sits down, it's kind of like that mic drop moment, right? You've seen those, right? (laughs) When someone's just like, they go, uh, mic drop. It's like what Jesus is doing right here. He's saying, hey, I'm victorious once and for all. I've made a way. I've made a way. And he's making us perfect, not that we will fully arrive at that place on this side of eternity, this side of heaven, but we are being perfected. And the word sanctified really means to take on and to grow in the character and the likeness of Jesus. And so we're all in Christ being sanctified. If we're truly following after Christ, if we're fully surrendering our lives to him, if we're allowing him to have access to who we are, he wants to grow our character. He wants to grow our competencies. In other words, to understand who he is and how he did what he did and to join him in that. He wants to do that. And we as a as a church, we always want to look to Jesus and what he's come to do and let that then inform and lead us to how we're going to go about operating our lives. Because he's the one that once and for all offered a sacrifice for us. He pursued a prodigal people because of his love for you. He knew you couldn't do it. He knew I couldn't do it. But he made a way. Praise God. Praise God. This is Christmas, friends. This is the the good news that we're celebrating. And it goes on to say this. It says, And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us. For, For after saying, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law on their, what's the word here? On their hearts. And write them on their Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds. What's the word here, the phrase? No more. Woo. It's good. Where there is forgiveness 
of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. And I just love how this describes it because it talks about the old covenant and what the old covenant did and how it was operated. But then Jesus made a way through the new covenant. Say new covenant with me. New covenant. And the new covenant is so beautiful because through the life and death and burial and the resurrection of Christ and by the power and the filling of the Holy Spirit, the law of God, who he is, his ways are written in our hearts and on our minds. And we then can walk in step with what it is that he has for us to do. We can, we can join him and who we're becoming and then become like him and how we operate based off who we are through the power of the Holy Spirit to be mindful and aware of his activity and say, yes, I'm joining you in this. I'm going where you're going. I want to be in step with the Spirit. And, and again, I don't want you to miss this because it's in light of what Christ has done. It's in light of what he's done that he's taken on himself through his life, death, burial, and resurrection, through his crucifixion. He's taken our sin, our shame, our fear, our pride, our blame, all the things, all the things that we're not proud of, all the things that we look back on and say, man, I, I don't know why I said that or did that. He's made a way. He's dealt with it once and for all. And he will remember it no more, it says, because he has made a way. The forgiveness of sins has been offered once and for all for us. Now, it's about us receiving it, right? We've got to receive it. And I think some of us think that, first of all, maybe we don't have an issue. So that's a whole other conversation. But the other part of this is that some of us, some of us have come up with a means of forgiveness that may not truly be forgiveness. It may be hey, if I do enough of this, then somehow the scales will me measure out and work out. Or it may be, hey, if I constantly punish myself from past decisions and things I've done and said, somehow that will eradicate it and deal with it. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. I'm the one who took on the wrath of God on myself. The punishment of sin is upon me. And so I want you to be just holding on to who this Jesus is as our great high priest. I want to give you a couple of things here as we think about this. Jesus, the high priest, is the offer, offering that is once and for all. Jesus, the high priest, is the offering that is once and for all. Let's say that together on three. One, two, three. Jesus, the high priest, is the offering that is once and for all. This is what the passage says. He was the offering. He was both the priest and the offering. And he's standing at the right hand of God, interceding, praying for us, sitting there, pleading our case, interceding on our behalf, mindful of what it is that we're facing and we're going through. The other part is this, that Jesus, the high priest, is perfecting that which is imperfect. And you're like, who's imperfect? Turn to your neighbor and say, you are. You are, right? You are, you are. I am, right? We, we are. This is, but the good news is he doesn't leave us in that condition. He made a way and we are growing in the likeness of Jesus. This is what it says clearly in the passage. It says that he once and for all offered a perfect 
sacrifice. And he's sanctifying that which is imperfect. And so if you're here today and you're like looking at yourself and you're saying, hey, I'm, I'm struggling or I'm, I'm failing or I'm going through it or I'm invited to take this bold, courageous step, I want you to know the good news of the gospel is we have a right standing with God once and for all, but we're always in process with Jesus. And it's a beautiful thing, and for many of us, it's a frustrating thing. But I want you to receive it as the gift that it is because it's a journey. It's a journey with Jesus to join him and to become all that he has for us, all that he wants for us in our lives. And that's why in a few minutes, we're going to be taking communion. And it, I want us not to forget what it is that Christ has done. And if you need communion supplies, just while we're here at this point, raise your hand so we'll make sure we get you communion supplies. Raise them high. Wave, wave them like you just don't care, right? Raise your hands in the air. Here we go. They're coming right over here to you. But then the other part of this, as we continue on, is I want us to think about the fact that you and I, we have a condition, we have sin in our lives, we need not only help, but we need spiritual life. And how many of you guys have ever used Mr. Clean magic erasers? Can I just show a hands? Praise God for magic erasers, right? I mean, come on now. Come on now, what can I get out, right? And, and I love this because I think for us, when we look at Jesus, Jesus, as it says, he will remember their deeds no more. He's the agent that absorbs our sin. He takes it on himself. He's the one that says, hey, this was, this is where you were, right? This is who you were. This was your condition. But I'm the magic eraser who absorbs it all. I took it upon myself, and now I make you as white as snow. It says this in 2 Corinthians 5.21, he who is without sin became sin, Jesus, so that we could become the righteousness of God, so that we could become righteous and holy before God. He's made a way. Jesus, who is holy, who is holy, now is making us holy. Our sin is addressed dealt with once and for all, no longer remembered, absorbed, right? He's this magic eraser. He's the magic eraser, taking it in, taking it on. But he's also giving us not only an answer for our condition apart from him, but our new condition before a holy, righteous God. We are called clean before God because of Christ's perfect sacrifice before us. We are made righteous not because we did everything right, but because Jesus did everything right. We are called perfect, not because we are perfect, but because Jesus is the perfect sacrifice. We are called holy, beloved, because Jesus has made a way for us to walk in that which we were intended and created for when God made us in his image. Now we are called holy and beloved. Oh man, praise God. This is the good news. This is Jesus. This is Christmas. This is what he's come to do. So will you allow him to be who he truly is in your life? Take it on. Absorb it. And there's a couple questions that I want to give you here. Have you received by faith the forgiveness and holiness Jesus provides? Have you received it? Have you received it? Have you said, yes, I'm 
saying yes to this, not just intellectually, but from the depths of who I am. Because he wants our whole person. He wants us. He wants us to say yes to him. And you know, there's gift giving that's going on in this season. And, and there's some gifts that you, you like and maybe some gifts that you don't like. And here's the deal. You still have to make a decision. Are you going to open the gift? Are you going to open it? Are you going to unwrap it? Are you going to take it on? And you know what? This is the same thing with the gift of Jesus. Have you received it? Are you un, have you unwrapped the gift of Jesus and embraced him for who he is? Or is he sitting on the shelf? Or is he in your attic? Or is he in that room where all the junk goes? You know what I'm talking about? Have you received by faith the forgiveness and holiness Jesus provides? Here's the next question for you. Where are you currently attempting to offer sacrifices for what Jesus has already been sacrificed for? Some of you this morning, you need to hear this. You're living in a a cynical cycle of shame and fear and regret. And hey, I get it. I get it. We all have those things in our life that we're not proud of. But I want you to know, when we look and behold Jesus, when we hold out and hold on to him, we don't have to continue to offer sacrifices for that which has already been sacrificed for us. And that's why we take communion. That's why we do it, because we don't want to forget what he's come to do for us. We don't want to miss what he's come to do for us. But I think that some of you are continuing to offer sacrifices again and again. And it may not be seen by others, but it's in the confines of your mind. You're replaying that situation, that conversation, that thing you looked at, that thing you watched, that person you hooked up with. You're replaying it over and over and over and over and over and over again. And may I just say, can we say, yes, hey, that happened. That happened, but that was a moment. That doesn't have to define the whole of my life because of what Jesus has done for me. The sacrifice that's once and for all has been offered for me. And he remembers my lawless deeds no more. He has made a way. And he doesn't want us to stay in a place of living in perpetual sin. That's not what I'm saying. But he does want us to walk in the freedom that he's come to give us. And we can't walk in freedom if we're constantly trying to offer for our sin sacrifices that Jesus has perfectly and completely offered for us. So where are you currently attempting to offer sacrifices for what Jesus has already been sacrificed for? Where's that in your life? I want you to be thinking about that. Well, then the author of Hebrews, he goes on to say this, and this is such a beautiful passage in Hebrews 4. And I want us to see this because I I don't want us to miss whatever that we're facing or going through, um, that we don't go at it alone, that there's a Savior that stands with us and goes before us. It says this. We're going to read this actually out loud together, this whole passage. You good? You good to do that? You with me? You with me? All right, here we go on three. One, two, three. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are. Yet he did not sin. 
Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Great job, great job. And so it says very clearly, we have a high priest that can't relate to us. Is that what it says? What does it say? What does it say that Jesus does with us? He empathizes with us, right? And to empathize with us means he relates to us. He relates to us in what it is that we've experienced because guess what? He's experienced. How many ways was Jesus tempted, does this passage say? Every way? Whoa, 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 whoa. You mean Jesus was tempted with the thing you were tempted with? Yes, he was. So whatever it is in your life that you're like, man, I'm, I'm tempted with this. I want you to know we have a Savior that can relate. Because he experienced those temptations himself, but he didn't give in to the temptation. And his not giving in is why he can be our perfect sacrifice. But the other part of that, too, is that when we are tempted, when we are failing, when we are missing the mark, we don't have to run from him. We can run to him. Because we have a great high priest who empathizes, who empathizes with us in our time of need. And we're to run to his throne of grace to find mercy and grace and help in our time of need. And you know, when you have confidence in that kind of relationship with somebody, there's power in just being able to come to them that way. And I want you to think about the relationships that you have and the people that you can just approach with great confidence. Now, I think about my, my relationship with my son. He has great confidence with the love that me and his mom have for him. So much so that he'll just show up at 4.30 in the morning sometimes and say, I'm ready. I'm ready. It's confidence, right? You're like, well, that's a lot of confidence. That's a lot of confidence. It's confidence to even say, hey, I, I saw this thing. Uh, there's like this mark on my car, buddy. Uh, do you know what happened here? Oh, I was trying to, you take this plastic bin and put it in your car and have some fun with you and accidentally scratched your car a little bit. I'm sorry, Dad. I'm terrible. I said, no, 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 no. Hey, hey it's just stuff. Let's just talk about it. I'm glad you told me. Let's just talk about it. Let's talk about it. I'm not, it's just stuff. It's just a car. You're, you're infinitely more important to me than the car. I just want to make sure we talk about it. What happened? He can come to me even in those moments. He can come to me in moments where he's like, hey, you want to go jump on the trampoline? I'm like, well, it's like 20-something degrees outside. <laughs> come on, Dad. Come on. Let's go. Let's go. He, he says, hey, let's do it. Let's go. He can approach me with confidence. You know, the same idea here. We have, again, a great high priest who's ascended into heaven. And so we can hold firmly to the faith that we profess because of what he's done and what he's accomplished for us. The things that he only could do for us. But our part to play in that is that we would join him. We have to join him to experience the life that we were created for and intended for. And what I mean by joining him is the faith part, yes. But it's to believe, first of all, that he actually can relate to what we're facing and struggling with and that we come to him. 
with the, the good things too, sometimes it's like, wow, I got this big opportunity in front of me in a new way of doing something or a new initiative that I feel like I'm supposed to take on, but I'm scared. We can tell them that. We don't have to pretend. We don't have to pretend. We can join him and confess to him, I need your help in this situation. So I want to give you a couple things here. Again, Jesus is the great high priest who can empathize with us because he was tempted in every way. He was tempted in every way. And again, I want you to think what you're tempted with. Maybe this holiday season, you're tempted to give into despair because there's a loved one that's not around the table. You're just, man, you're discouraged. I want you to know he can relate to those types of struggles. We, we know very clearly that he lost not his biological father, uh, but Joseph, right, at some point in his life on the earth, right? He can relate to us. The fact that he left home in heaven to pursue you and me, he can relate. He can relate to those aches. Some of you, man, this holiday season, the stress amps up, and you're tempted to go towards liquor and alcohol and pills and pornography to somehow provide relief. I want you to know he can relate. He can relate to what it is that anxiety that you feel and how you're tempted by those things. He was tempted with that as well. Uh, maybe for you, uh, you're tempted and you look at what it is that's happening in your life and, and maybe you're tempted to live a life of comparison or to belittle yourself or others and not see yourselves as God sees you and sees others. He can empathize with you. You don't have to pretend. This is what this tells us. We don't have to pretend. <laughs> we can be honest. We can run to him, not run. We don't need to run from him. The other part of this is that as we consider who he is, is how will you run to Jesus to receive mercy and grace and help in your time of need? How will you? Because this is what we're intended to do. We're intended to run to him, not from him, right? We're meant to, to run towards him. And I want to give you a simple thing based off this passage that I think is helpful. And I'm going to give you just three things. One is this, Jesus help. I'm going to tell you, if you don't know what to pray and you don't know what to say and you're like in the middle of it and you're being tempted and you're failing, just say Jesus help. Jesus help. Say that with me. Jesus help. Jesus help. And then you can go from that when you have more time to think about it. And you can say this, Jesus help me with. Jesus help me with. Help me with how to manage my time. Jesus help me with feeling the pressure of trying to keep up with somebody else's expectation that may not be yours. Help me, Jesus, with this area where I know I'm financially failing maybe or I'm struggling and I'm having a difficulty with. But for some reason, I still want to live outside my means. Jesus, help me with this. Jesus, help me. Help me with this. Help me with that. And the other one is this. Jesus, help me to see myself as holy because of your sacrifice. Because if we're going to really walk in all that Christ has come to do for us as our great high priest, we've got to access, we've got to access him. Because you don't have to go through me or another to get to him. He's done it once and for all. He is the great high priest. He is 
the sacrifice. So you can come to him and you can say, Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me with. Jesus, help me to see myself as holy because of your sacrifice. I am the beloved. I am called righteous because of you, Christ. I am clothed in your righteousness. And the other part of this is to find those people who are what I often call climbing companions for the journey. People who will help you to continue to lean on Jesus and to walk with him. These trusted friends that you feel safe enough to say, I'm really tempted in this area. <laughs> I'm really failing. Or I'm at a crossroads and I have to make a decision. And, and I would just be, be really, um, want to be really clear here. It really probably should be a select group, like three to five people, right? Because what we're talking about is pretty sacred space. But who are those trusted friends that you can say, Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me with. Jesus, help me to see myself holy as you see me holy because of your sacrifice. Who are those people? And I just want to say something to the men in the house. More than ever, and women, this is true for you too, but I want to talk to the men for a minute. Men, you need these types of relationships. You need these desperately. And I think we live in a time and and space where there's an epidemic where we're called and told that we should be looking brave and strong at all times. And we can't be honest with people who are safe, who are climbing with us on the journey towards what God has for us and say, hey, I'm failing here, or I'm struggling here, or I'm at a crossroads here. Men, listen, you need climbing companions, people who are going to take the journey with you. Because not usually the mountaintop, that's the hard part to get to. That's tough. It's usually coming down where the accidents happen. Who are you climbing with? Who are you climbing with? Because Jesus wants us to experience a team sport idea here, that we're walking in what he has for us, but we can't do that without him and without one another. So again, I want you to be thinking about that. Well, as we get to this point of looking at who Jesus is, I want to remind us of the gift of Christ and these gifts that were given, this gold, this frankincense, and myrrh, and how they signify what Christ came to do, what he came to accomplish. And so communion is really an opportunity for us to remember. For us to remember his sacrifice. Uh, Because no one took his life, he gave his life willingly for us. And so what I want you to do is I want you to be thinking about what it is, what it is that Christ has done for you once and for all. What what did the, the passage say? It talked about his sacrifice. And I want you to think about how his body was, was broken for you, how his blood was shed for you. And what I want you to do, if, if, if I could do it myself, I would go around this whole room and just say your name. Say, this is his, his body broken for you, Barry. And this is his blood shed for you, Barry. And what I want you to do, I want you to insert your name where it says, hey, this is the Christ's body broken for Let's say your name right now on three. One, two, three. This is his body broken for? Right? And then I want you, us to say it uh, about the blood part. This is his blood shed for? You, say your name. This is blood shed for? Joe, yeah? What I want you to do is I, I want you just to personalize this. Because this is what he came to do for us. And so communion is a chance to remember that sacrifice, to take inventory. Hey, is there anything in your life you need to confess right now? 
any way that you're living out of alignment with his design for you. And communion is designed for those who have put their trust and faith in Jesus. And if you haven't yet, I would invite you to consider who Christ is and to do that. But I'm also going to ask you not to partake in communion if you haven't yet done that. Because again, it's designed for those who have put their trust in Christ. But as you take inventory, as you look at your life, is there things you need to confess? Is there people you need to forgive? Is there somebody that you need to ask for forgiveness? Or is there a way that you're trying to offer another type of sacrifice for the sacrifice Jesus already offered? And can you just confess that to him? Can you let him know that? So in this space, we're just going to give you some moment, moments here in time just to, to really invite him to lead you and to direct you. Again, con- communion is a chance for confession, realignment, making sure we're, what, we're st- stepping into what it is that he has for us and says of us. And wherever there's misalignment, we can come to him, right? That's what we talked about. Let us approach his throne of grace with confidence so that we can receive mercy and grace and help in our time of need. So I want to just invite us to take a moment to pray. And then as you feel led, you can take that wafer and be reminded of his body shed, his body broken for you and take the juice and remember his blood spilled for you. Father, right now, we thank you for your love for us. Jesus, we are so grateful for who you are. Thank you for being this great high priest. Thank you for being that perfect sacrifice for us. Thank you that you've made a way. And so, Lord, I pray that we would just remember who you are and what you've done in this time. Help us to pause and just to reflect. And then, Lord, I, I do pray for those who have yet to receive you. I pray that today would be the day that they receive the gift of who you are. Lord, we love you because you first loved us. We love you because you loved us so much that you were given by our Father in heaven and that you gave yourself for us. And so by the power of the Spirit, we can walk fully into all that you have. So Lord, we just pray you would invade this time and in the space and in our lives as well, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.